<clears throat> so I think this is gonna work. We will put this over here and uh, see how it goes. So one of the negative things about doing it this way is the audio isn't very good because I get too far away, but that's okay. It'll work. It is what it is. We're working with what we got. So I, look at what I got here. It's a Farsi New Testament. I'm excited. I'll tell you about that when we're done. But uh, I just, Randy just put that in my hot hand before I came in the door, so I was excited about that. All right, so tonight we're, uh, we're still in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1. Can you believe that? And uh, we're finishing up the chapter. Is there anyone that does that needs a handout? Because we, we should have old handouts if you're on hold, old handouts. One, two, three, four, five. So if you need one, let me know. Uh, we, we talked about our relationship to the Lord as we were dealing with the training and ministry. Uh, we talked about uh, our relationship to the law. And now we're finishing up with our relationship to the lost is uh, the last spot where we left off. Um, and uh, so that is, is where we've been. So just by way of remembrance, <coughs> we saw that we are to be fruitful soul winners in uh, 1 Timothy 1, 11 through 17. Uh, we also saw the word to be um, uh, in the second point that we looked at is... Uh, this goes really hand-in-hand hand with what we're talking about on Sunday morning. We're to be faithful warriors to God's Word. And that is the, that is the last two points that we saw. So tonight we're going to be talking about uh, we give fearfully warning, we give fearful warnings to willingly shipwreck. And so this is all dealing with our relationship to the law. So when we're done with chapter 1, the three major themes that we've seen is our relationship to the Lord, our relationship to the law. The last one is our relationship to the lost. And then we will, uh, today, in, under our relationship to the lost, we've looked at uh, we are to be fruitful soul winners, we are to be faithful warriors, and tonight we're going to see that we are to give fearful warnings to those willingly shipwrecked. So, is everybody caught up with me? This will be good, because it's only two verses. So, um, so we won't, you know, shouldn't take me too much time, but, you know, me. Uh, we could go on and on, probably. But, yeah, First Timothy chapter 1. 19 and 20. So let's read that and we'll have a word of prayer and uh, then we'll commence with our um, with our study. First Timothy 1 and thank you Ron for praying earlier. Verse 19 Paul says here well let me back up. He goes in verse 18. He says this charge I commit unto thee son Timothy according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Alright then he says holding uh, faith and a good conscience which some having shipwrecked uh, um, <clears throat> holding faith in a good conscience, for some having put away, I'm sorry, concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. All right, so um, so those verses in verses 19 and 20 is where we want to look. If you, if you have your outline there, we are to be, we are to give fearful, the word there is fearful warnings to the willingly shipwrecked. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the prayer that Ron's offered. I just pray once again as we look at the Word of God that you quicken our understanding. Lord, make this time set apart and sanctified tonight profitable for both prayer and also for the teaching of the Word of God. Lord, thank you for these saints here. Uh, Lord, it doesn't take a huge band of uh, saints to get a lot done. Lord, we've heard about revivals in the past starting with a handful of people. 
And Lord, we pray, God, that the, the prayer of your faithful saints would be fervent and effectual and avail much tonight. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Paul's writing to Timothy, and he gives this uh, admonition, right, this charge that's committed unto him. And he says, hey, you need to make sure that, uh, you know, there, that you hold fast to the word because there's those like Hymenius and Alexander who have gone the wrong way. And so point A in your outline, leaving the Lord, uh, leaving the Lord runs us aground. Uh, some choose to be lost. There are some people you can't help because they don't want to be helped. And Hymenaeus and Alexander were examples of what not to do. Sometimes we need examples in our lives of people that of what not to do. When I was I was the youngest of three, and I did learn a lot of what not to do from watching my older siblings. And uh, I don't know if you were a youngest child, you definitely should learn from your elder siblings, right? And even in the spiritual life, a lot of what I know as a pastor, uh, I, I benefited from the pastors that have gone before me and what not to do. Right uh, from and anyway, I won't get into specifics, but I've seen a lot of shipwrecks, and we literally call them we call them train wrecks a lot of times. But it's the same thing. That was a train wreck, we'll say. I was just sitting at my desk um, while well, I had a conversation with my son. So a lot of things combined in my head and heart this weekend. I was teaching in class in HBI about psychology, and uh, uh, you know, emphasizing how the Bible trumps Freudian philosophies and things like that. You know. Kind of heady stuff. And uh, my son and I were sitting around last, I think it was last night, visiting about about the subject of how, how pastors do shipwreck and how how people go astray, uh, in, theologically speaking. And we were just visiting, and he was asking me some questions, and really asking me some questions I hadn't really verbalized out loud very much. And, you know, I was thinking about how I sat at the desk of a pastor. My, my desk is a pastor who committed suicide, and he was a big pastor. In the nation, and uh, and you know, I didn't talk to my son about that. And then there was another pastor, and uh, that we were talking about. And, you know, how did they start? Like where you are, Dad, but now this is where they are. You know, and I said, well, it's what we're teaching about in in uh, HBI. It's, it's when you allow anything other than the Bible to be your authority, this happens. You know, and um, and, and by the way, none of us are above that. Uh, nobody, especially the some of these guys I'm talking about are the best and the brightest. And so. Um, and so it's not hard to be shipwrecked, you know. But somewhere you got to make a choice. you got to make a decision. <clears throat> and so when we leave the Lord, it runs us aground. We become shipwrecked. And so, hey, Jim, you want an outline, bro? We're on, uh, we're on point three, so. You're in the last stage, bro. I like that. I love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Hedges family sports some of those as well, brother. So, uh. So, uh, so we are told uh, all the details, but we don't have to. But, <clears throat> but we don't have to have the details. We know based on First Corinthians five eleven that the man that calls himself a brother be a fornicator, covetous, idolater, railer, drunkard, extortioner, that they need to be excluded from the fellowship of the church. Um, and so, um, you know, that's all you got to know. Um, now. Some, some use their tongues to subvert whole houses. Titus uh, chapter 1. Look over at Titus. Keep your finger here. Go to Titus chapter 1. Now, I am talking about unrepentant, obviously. Repentant, do you, repentant people you don't have to exclude from fellowship. It's unrepentant people who continue in sin uh, and will not repent. Titus chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. The Bible says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, 
that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped. Notice this. Uh, it says, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. You've heard Paul say the love of money is the root of all evil, right? So uh, they, are, they're, they are willing to subvert whole houses. Some, some use their tongue to subvert whole houses, it says in Titus. Uh, and, and so Paul was not uh, obviously writing that. He wasn't happy about that either. He uh, commanded Titus to address that as well. So we know enough to see that Hymenius and Alexander were to be given over to Satan, right? And so uh, he says that in verse 20, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So there's a point where Paul says, you know what? I'm not messing with these fellows anymore. I'm going to just let Satan have his way with them. And uh, in essence, you let them reap what they sow. You want to dance with the devil? I'm going to quit cutting in and just let you dance and see how that works out for you. And unfortunately right now, as you guys know, that's it. Yes, sir. All right. <clears throat> he says, whom I have delivered unto Satan. Uh-huh. Now, is that an authority that Paul had, or is, that, or is he just saying, I mean, what exactly is he saying? That's a really good question. Um, that's a great, let me, let me expand on that. So, the, for the video here. The question is, is when it says specifically, you know, Paul says, I have delivered them unto Satan. Of course, Paul is the Apostle Paul, so he does have authority that, that I don't have as the Apostle of the Gentiles, or you don't have. But it is under authority. And so if we're going to look at authority for turning someone over to Satan, um, the authority that we would understand would be what we see in 1 Corinthians, where we turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that their, that their uh, soul would be saved. And... Uh, not saved, they're already saved, but that, you know, at the judgment seat of Christ. And so... Um, now is that a, would that be a collective decision made by a group of pastors, or... You see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I mean, we just can't, well... We just can't go around and just <laughs> start throwing people into Satan's arms and stuff. No, well, no... Well, sometimes, really, what, like I just said, I believe one of the things that, that Paul was doing was not, was he, he let them have their way. Okay. Uh, it, it, part of giving someone over to Satan is you say, go ahead and do what you yeah, want to do. That's the direction they want to go. So. That's the way, you, that's your pro proclivity, and you don't want to repent. I'm tired, I'm not going to chase you anymore. I'm not okay. going to, I'm not going to continue to try to reconcile. I'm a minister of reconciliation. I'm not going to reconcile. There's that practical sense in which a, that could be done in the sense of a personal relationship, a family relationship, or a church relationship right. under church discipline. Right. And really in essence, that's any time that we turn anyone over to Satan, that's all we're doing. Right. It's not like we're like, it's not like they're not already in his influence. We're just saying, okay, we've done everything that we can, and you've rejected that, so go ahead. As a matter of fact, don't come back until you're done dancing with the devil. Right. You know. Well, the, the way I see that is because <clears throat> I've seen pastors and stuff, you they get on television, they get all whipped up in a frenzy, and then they start casting this person under oh, Satan, yeah. that person under Satan. Yeah. And I'm just asking, we we really don't have that no. that kind of authority, do we? Well, when we, meaning you and me as pastors, we do have some authority to what we do when it comes to turning someone over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh does carry weight. 
that wouldn't be carried necessarily. It's like a father in a home if they have to boot out their son. I do believe there's a certain amount of spiritual weight that is placed upon that decision because it's in the biblical structure that God's provided. But this is a decision not to be taken lightly. This is something. Oh, that's... without a doubt, and it's after much. You know, these people have given Paul a lot of grief and trouble the ministry, and they're hurting people, subverting whole houses. You know, what I mean, so it's it's a no turning someone to Satan is certainly not a light decision, and uh, well. As a matter of fact, I think it, 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 even let's just use the concept of First Corinthians 11, you know, where uh, you're not to eat with one, no such a one, no not to eat. Because that's actually First Corinthians chapter six, isn't it? Um, we went through all of that. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get you off track. Oh, that's okay. That's good. It's a good time to address it. Um, You know the verse I'm looking for, though? Um, it's First um, Corinthians 5. Okay, 5. I should the number of death. I was in 6. Yeah, yeah. It's commonly, it's common, it's reported commonly that there's fornication. Not so much as named among the Gentiles that wish to have his father's wife. So you're puffed up. You haven't born, so there's a warning. Uh, and then so Paul judges the matter and he says, Okay, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit, Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so here's a situation where he, Paul is saying, you don't love this person if you allow them to continue. And I know, Jeff, you understand this clearly. Uh, but there is authority where, you know, there is obviously under the leadership of the pastor, the deacons, the church body. I don't think the church just comes together and throws in, gives anyone to Satan. So it has to be under the right authority. That's why I point out, uh, I do think in a home, there's a point where, say, you got a rebellious teenage son, and Dad says, you know what, I'm the authority in this home. I will not allow you to act like this. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, right? In the Old Testament, you stone the child. New Testament, we kick up, pick up the phone, Romans 13, and we say, hey, Harrisonville PD, Cass County Sheriff, I want you to come, a higher authority. You're going to come, now my son is going to be treated as a criminal. And, and there's real authority. In those decisions made under the biblical structure, whether it be the family, the local church, or the civil government, right? You tell the government, I ain't going to listen. Well, they bear not the sword in vain. So all of those things, we know that Satan is the prince and power of the air. And in some respects, we're, all of those things, we're turning people over to the devil uh, because they're in rebellion. And, and ultimately, the goal, of course, is for them to repent. In the case of these guys, I don't think Paul's very hopeful <laughs> that they're going to repent. So he's like, hey, let the devil have his way with them. I'm done with them. And uh, he's making that very public to his to another pastor who's also stewarding the situation. So it'd be like a Romans. That's like a, a Romans situation then where Paul has already, you know, as as the authority has passed a judgment. And then um, uh, he's marked those which cause divisions. And are contrary uh, and offenses. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, learned, and avoid them. For they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ with their own belly. Again, kind of like filthy lucre, but he's saying they serve their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. 
So give no more place and space to those folks. So in the context, just historically, what we're reading, obviously Paul is telling one pastor, another, he's like, hey, these two guys are not healthy for the church. I've turned them over to Satan, and he's obviously giving it, you know, you don't bring them back in to the help hurt the church. So there is a weight that goes there. It's sort of like a church letter as well. So if, if someone were to transfer letters, and of course a lot of churches don't care or do this anymore, but I have actually stopped where someone has left a church poorly and I've called the other pastor and we've had to have a meeting, you know, someone comes in bragging about being a deacon and yet I find out they just tore up the last church. They're kind of got the reputation of Hymenius and Alexander, you know. And so I'm like, well, wait, uh, what about your transfer of letter? Well, you got to understand and all these things are wrong over here and over there. Oh, really? Well, I thought you were a deacon. You're supposed to be a minister of reconciliation, you know. So this is, this things have really happened. So, I sit down with the pastor and we get it all worked out and everybody's repenting and everything's good and everything goes forward. But And praise God, that's the best situation. But if someone continued in sin, I would have said, sorry, you can't. If that pa you won't reconcile with that pastor, you're not going to be welcome here. You know. So there's some weight when one pastor clues in another pastor. As long as you take the word of that pastor, um, you know, um, I, I've done that multiple times. Uh, we had someone causing problems in the ministry. Uh, several years ago that was very slick and was tearing causing divisions and uh, and if I said his name you know who I'd be talking about and so he was on the peripheral of this ministry uh, and was working kind of subversively and so I didn't like mark him publicly and say you're turned over to the devil at all but I just made sure he wasn't under our structure because I didn't want to be responsible for the damage that he caused and so I called another pastor and let him know Hey, this fella is working with your people under this ministry. He started with us, but he moved over here. He's slip, slippery like that. And I'm just telling you, brother, uh, he's now under your care. And if you want to have him under your care, great. If you don't, then I understand. But I'm just letting you know. Kind of like Paul's letting Timothy know. As far as I'm concerned, this guy is, is not working for Jesus. And I think there's a certain amount of authority, biblically, that comes when you prove all things. You hold fast that which is good. And you're like, you're not welcome here. That particular individual isn't welcome here to this day uh, because of the things that he's done. But it's not been a situation where uh, we publicly had to get up and church him because he churched himself. So there was no need to drag it up in front of everybody. But if I was writing a personal letter to, to if I was going to go somewhere and be a missionary and you took the church here, Jeff, I'd probably write you a letter and put his name on it just so you'd remember who this fella is. <laughs> so. So uh, he wouldn't tear up the church once I leave. Because once I leave, he's going to come back around trying to do it again. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know if I'm getting into stuff I ought not, but that's a really good question. So, yeah, when you're a pastor, you're responsible. There is authority. You're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. Um, I don't think it's so much an issue of like like you're talking, like some charismatic, you know, making it. No, I, it's just a matter of saying I'm marking that fella or that lady. Obviously, there's times to do it in a little supper setting for the reconciliation. I think this is past that. Yeah, you're talking someone who is... Yeah, I think we're going to the point where we're not even talking about this poor brother is in sin and needs to repent. We're not even... Right, we're talking about a, a snake. Yeah, a real troublemaker. A real troublemaker, right. Yeah, and because it, you don't want <clears throat> rotten fruit because it's going to spread and get everything rotten. Yeah. And those guys are, they're, they're, there's there's some guys that have, you know, we've seen them slink around through here. I've only noticed the guys, actually, now I'm thinking about it. I got two people in mind, and I'm not going to say who they are <laughs> or tell you who they are, but I got two people in mind 
And me, I had an eye on them and maybe a few other pastors, but not every pastor even knew. You know, they were very subtle people. And so you had to be very careful uh, with those people. And you had to be very careful as a pastor because, because they win the hearts of people. They're subversive. And uh, it's a dangerous thing. So you got to pray. That's what I did. I pray and in due time things and structure. Like I just said, the family structure, the local church structure, and the law enforcement. And uh, in one of these individuals, all three of those were instrumental and, uh, in, in, in helping keep them at bay. But they still slink around. So I'm just saying they're out there. So, uh, and they're like Hymenius and Alexander. And so I'm like, when I hear that the feds are coming after him or whatever, I'm not, I'm not sitting around going, oh, poor brother. I'm like, well, praise God. Maybe that's what God's doing. <laughs> you know, that'd be great, you know, because that'll keep him out of the churches. So that's just, that's just the truth of the matter. And uh, Jeff, I don't know if that helps you, but it does a, a little bit. That's, that's how I see it, is that these guys uh, were those kind of guys. They, Paul is past the point of, Saying, hey, brother, would, would you receive the, the, the grace of God? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's interesting that he mentions Alexander again. Mm -hmm. Second Timothy chapter 4. Yeah. You know, I mean, so. Um, <clears throat> Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord rewarded him according to his work. So now, now my owner has people coming up to Satan. Now he's saying the Lord Amen. And I think I'm fixing to get to that point, actually. So uh, that's good, though, Ron. Amen. That's so good. And Alexander the coppersmith did a much evil. So point B, learning, learning the lesson the hard way. Paul says that he has delivered them unto Satan so they can learn a lesson. Paul was not, this is important, and it, it gets back to Jeff's point and his question and his comment. Paul was not getting even, okay? He was simply, he simply means he officially let go some brothers uh, who said they were believers, but we rebelled without repentance. That's a, that's, I'm glad you, you said that because that's one of the things that was in my mind. Yeah. This idea of revenge or I'm the authority. Right. Of course, that would not be yeah. just either. That would be just as wrong. So he's not getting even, right? He is, he is officially letting go of some brothers who said they were believers, right? They're coming off as believers, but they are not repentant. Right, so he's like, okay, uh, then you can you can roll with Satan. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'll let you do what you're going to do because I'm not going to put up with it around here, without vengeance and all of that. He's wanting to protect the flock because he's a shepherd, and so God does not force uh, our obedience. Uh, Paul didn't say they were lost, by the way. He simply took them at their word, and so if if they are saved and rebel against the command of God perpetually and fight against God's authority. There is simply a time when Paul just lets them have what they want. Like if they, okay, if that's what you want, then you can have it. He doesn't say they're lost. He just says, okay. Right? And so uh, the Lord deal with you. So that could mean chase, chastening by the Lord. The Lord rebuke them. The Lord deal with them. If they're a Christian, they could get – that puts you right back at 1 Corinthians. Right? If you're, if you're playing games around the Lord's Supper and the body of Christ and the, the blasphemy – the blasphemously sac the sacrifice of Christ – 
right? Uh, and his on the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection. Well, then, yeah, he may just judge you and pull you home and say, that's enough of that. I'm done with you. If they are truly saved. And if not, then they're not, you know? And so, uh, so his hope is that they learn not to blaspheme. I, I, that needs to be uh, brought up in the context, especially what Jeff's question is, because he says uh, that they learn not to blaspheme. So you can see there it's the same heart, really, that he has in uh, 1 Corinthians 5, and what's also mentioned uh, in 1 Corinthians 11 at the Lord's Supper. And then in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, when the gentleman is restored, right? He wasn't trying to just kick a person. You know, you don't remove people just because you want them gone. You remove them so that they learn not to blaspheme, so that they can be restored. Now, these guys, if, you know, that's up to the Lord, they need to learn not to blaspheme. Now, how that gets worked out in their life, Paul's like, that's, a, that's not up to me. I'll let God worry about that, you know. And so, uh, point C, and we'll be done. Don't play with God. <laughs> that's the point. That's, don't play with God. And so when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we enter the Lord's table with an awe and respect uh, for the grace of God. I wrote my notes for the 30th, but the 30th has passed. So we celebrate the Lord's Supper on the 30th. I thought I'd have this done by now. Um, but God's bestowed upon us uh, the reverence for the work of God among the body of Christ. So if one is to be delivered unto Satan, that is the appropriate time, uh, which I was just pointing out. I do believe, uh, also addressing what you were mentioning there, Jeff, that First Corinthians, when it's, Paul is very clear, it says when we gather together, answering the question about who and how, um, you know, he does, he's very clear there. He says, uh, verily, uh, he says that he judges it, and then in verse 4, I'm back in First Corinthians 5, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my, uh, and my spirit with power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one to, uh, for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus, right? So that they can, right? They're going to be uh, better off if they get turned over now. And then he goes on to say, "Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us." So here he's referencing the Passover, and then in verse eight he goes, "Therefore let us keep the feast." What feast is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the Passover, which is the Lord's Supper. Not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, which that's on our part, um, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, uh, it'd be disobedient on our part to have malice when we turn someone over to Satan. And it does seem to point to the Lord's Supper. And I do think the Lord's Supper is a good time to bring people in and bring people out. And one of the reasons why is, is you, the very thing you were kind of talking about and concerned about with human authority getting too, too caught up with themselves is, is that Jesus is the example. I mean, everyone at the table except John betrayed Jesus, right? Only Judas was the one. That, Judas was the only Hymenius and Alexander. Everybody else failed him too, but he didn't beat anybody down. Right? He restored everybody. And so I think there's a the, one of the reasons that we use the Lord's Supper is to remember that there's nobody that came to the Lord's Supper that didn't betray Christ, you know, other than John. And so um, it didn't fail, right? And so it's, when you stand here as a pastor especially and you turn someone over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh because they're already there and it's public just like in First Corinthians. Uh, well, you know, you're not saying they're better. You're just saying... 
this is what we got to do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And the reason why I ask that is because I've, I've been kind of exposed to that. And what you just said, the two points you said about not getting, not getting even, mm -hmm. and desiring their repentance rather than their damnation. Their judgment. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's very liberating. Yeah. That is. It's very liberating. To me, it is. It's, it's also it's also very sobering, you know, when you see God judge someone. Uh, well, it's very sobering for somebody to take that authority upon themselves, not oh. not motivated with the. Oh, absolutely! It's 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 scary. I yeah. mean, I've personally seen. I think I believe I've seen God judge people that have taken the Lord's supper lightly and and not done and not even serious like Hermenius and Alexander stuff. I mean, and so. I'm like, holy moly, Lord. And without any disrespect to the Lord, I'm like, really? I'm like, wow. Uh, yeah, you'd be a fool to, to take that authority lightly and to want to get even. or, You know, the whole heart, though, is to reconcile. Yeah. I mean, it's very clear. Yeah. And even with Hymenaeus, that they learn not to blaspheme. Yeah. Paul knows they're going to stand before the Lord. You know, and it's like Paul himself. You know, here's a guy who was, when Jesus... On the road to Damascus, he says, you know, he, he mentions that you're persecuting me. You know, it's hard for you to, to kick against the pricks. And, and then he mentions, and I, I'm not quoting it exactly, but he alludes to the fact that when you're persecuting them, you're persecuting me, you know. And so, so uh, yeah, I, I just really do believe that we've been saved. We've all been on the other side of, of that, that situation. We've all are worthy of of being turned over here and there along the way, probably. And we've all learned the lessons, right? The issue is our attitude. And so some of these folks, just they just don't learn, right? Which is the point of tonight's lesson, right? There are times when uh, we just have to say, you know what? If that's what you want to reap, um, then that's what you're, or that's what you want to sow, that's what you're going to reap, you know? And it's hard. It's just like, with the, is, you know, we're to give fearful warnings to the willingly shipwrecked. And he does mention they're shipwrecked. Right? They're not they're not viable. They're not sailing. You know, this morning I talked about Peter. Peter was actually functional because he had fellowship with Christ. Even though he hadn't quite dealt with all the issues in the past, God took the issues of the past to help him forward, right? So he used it in a positive way. Um, these guys aren't even moving anywhere with God. They are shipwrecked, and they're causing others to be shipwrecked. And, and so there is a point, too, where um, we got to we got to not be effeminate, you know, we ought to see in pastors and just call it what it is and deal with it like men, <laughs> you know. And uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of craziness going on right now. I got I mean, just in the in this what's they're trying to mainstream is the church. And uh, it's just it's, you know, it's just a lack of biblical, uh, frankly, masculinity, people who will not address sin issues. They just keep placating it. Because they're afraid to tell, you know, Beth Moore that you're not a man, you can't preach. You know, that's what the Bible says. Let's just go with it. You know, I mean, so there's so much stuff that just starts seeping in. Once you stand up to it, you look like the bad guy. You know, and Paul, that's exactly what they did to Paul in Corinth. By the time you get to 2 Corinthians, he's the bad guy, you know. And so Paul certainly wasn't um, an egomaniac, but they, they did paint him out to be that way. And it's, if you take a stand on the word... You know that's what's going to happen. You know, and the, and that's why you got to say, well, the Lord, the Lord will judge you, and we got to by faith believe the truth of God's word. That ultimately, 
uh, if Jesus could be treated that way, why can't we be treated that way? You know, because he was treated the exact same way. And he came and he told the truth and then they killed him for it. And they called him a blasphemer because he dared to tell them who he really was. You know, and, and that gets down to authority. So authority is a big deal when you're dealing with these matters. Um, and uh, men that are in authority have to be under authority. And uh, men who purport to be in authority but won't submit to the Lord's authority are in very dangerous waters. And so, and that goes for the preacher here tonight. It goes for anybody that is under authority. So, um, the acknowledging of the church, there's more, I think there's more authority, Jeff, than I think a lot of people realize, actually. And uh, not with ego or wanting to see people get hurt or anything, but I think a lot of people take it lightly to their own demise. And, I, and that goes true, but it's also true now with the, the family and the government, civil government. Everything that represents authority, which God's established today, is taken lightly. And if people don't repent, they'll be shipwrecked. And so it's very sad. Anyway, that's a little bit off topic. But um, anyway, thanks for the this. It's good to have good dialogue. Um, all right, so that concludes that. Next time we get together, we will be in uh, in the we'll have moved and graduated to First Timothy chapter two, and so we'll continue to talk about individual discipleships and relationships uh, that God has given us. So I will be ready to go uh, next Sunday night. Any other questions or comments? All right, so uh, I'm going to turn off the the tapes, and uh, you know, I hope I just realized. I don't think I got this recorded, so I need to, that's a bummer. So it's on here. I'll have to let the, uh, and we have zero watchers, so Lila's not on. So um, she has a hard time getting on if it's not on Facebook. She'll probably watch it later. But it will be recorded that way, so I'll have to have uh, Brianna put it up online. So if you're watching this, God bless you. We're done. Let me see how I end that. Are you sure you want to stop the streaming? Yeah.